All right, in the Word of God, I'd like to uh, bring a message to you from 1 Peter chapter number 1, and I'll begin reading in verse number 23. The Bible says, being born again. I like that term, born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I'd like to speak this morning on the subject of the corruptible and incorruptible seed. Let's ask the Lord's blessings upon his word today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the new birth. We thank you for the incorruptible seed. We pray now that you would bless us during this time. We pray for our live stream audience today, uh, for each and every home and family, regardless of whether they be here uh, in our county, whether they be throughout the entire country, or as far as that goes, perhaps people in different parts of the world are tuning in to our live stream service. We ask a special blessings upon uh, each and every one. We pray if someone is listening today, that has never been born again, we pray that the Word of God would come across to their heart uh, clearly and that the Holy Spirit would uh, bring that uh, incorruptible seed, uh, Lord, to germination in their heart and bring forth fruit and bring forth life. And we pray, Father, that you would bless, uh, give us uh, your hand upon us as we bring the Word of God to our audience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Corruptible and incorruptible seed. Uh, I'd like to talk about some word definitions. First of all, I'd like to talk to you about the word corruptible. The word corruptible means something that is subject to decay or destruction. Whenever you find that definition of that word, you also find the word putrid accompanying it. So obviously, a very negative concept. Now, Just as the word corruptible is negative, the word incorruptible is positive. Uh, Something that is incorruptible means that it is not subject to decay or destruction. And uh, I like the incorruptible seed much, much better than the corruptible. Now, the first thing that I'd like to talk about, number one, is natural corruption. You know, corruption is at center stage in, uh, in our world and in our culture today. Uh, the entire globe is dealing with this pandemic. Uh, we've got people in our nation and certainly press conferences in Washington and governor declarations that are all, you, let, you watch the news and you find that everything that's being talked about, it has to do with the virus. And a virus is part of natural corruption. You know, this isn't brand new. We've been battling viruses. Uh, I mean, we get flu shots and there are all kinds of things that are corruptible naturally in the world that we live in. There's also bacteria. There's fungus. There's mold and mildew. If you own a home, you know a thing about fungus and mold and mildew. It can be quite expensive and a lot of work to try to hold back those corruptible factors. Here, just not too long ago, I had to sink a ton of money into my crawl space. I had moisture coming in and I had to fix, I had to remedy those problems and that wasn't cheap. 
because the moisture coming into the crawl space created an environment that uh, mold and fungus wanted to just thrive with. Well, obviously, uh, that would end up turning the entire house into corruption. Uh, I think about infestations. Uh, I, I bought some wood here a while back, got a really good deal on some live slab cherry wood. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I could tell that, boy, when that gets finished, it's going to make some something very beautiful. And I was cleaning out my shed and I was moving some of that lumber. And I noticed that on some of that wood, there were these little tiny holes with just little tiny rings of sawdust around every hole. And I thought, what in the world is this? It's, it's just, it doesn't look like termites. And so I happened to see a little tiny black bug. And then I looked around and if I looked closely, I saw that there were just these little black bugs crawling on, you know, throughout the wood. And I took a picture of it, did a, a search on it. And lo and behold, it was these little critters called powder post beetles. And uh, they, they're, they're so small and they just powder post be, it sounds so innocent. But I found out that they can really wreak havoc on wood. They drill holes in it and they, they ruin the quality of it. And it's like, I gotta remedy this. And I found out that, yeah, you can fix the problem, but there's nothing cheap and there's nothing easy. You know what, folks? We live in a very corruptible world. Uh, when I think of the word corruptible, my mind goes back to um, a car that I owned back in the 80s. Uh, it was kind of like a car. It was a Dodge Omni. And I believe it was a 78 or 79 model. And I bought this car for $1,200. Uh, within uh, uh, less than a year, I sunk another $1,500 in parts and repairs and towing expenses and so forth. And during that nine months, it seems like that the car was in the shop almost half the time. So here's 1200 plus five, 1500. And you know, when I tried to get rid of that car, I was, I was fortunate. I mean, extremely fortunate to sell it for $500. I tell you what, that car, I called it jokingly the anti car, the, the car from hell, if you will. That car, I hated everything about that car. And so, um, but, but here's the, here's what really just took the cake with this Dodge Omni. It, it, it wasn't the, the tie rod ends that somebody had welded on. And, uh, I mean, within just a few hundred miles, I mean, I've got the sides of the tires are bare. It wasn't just that, but one Sunday afternoon, while the car was actually running, uh, I took a couple of teens from my youth group in Asheville. I took them down to the French Broad River to try to catch some catfish. Well, we went down and we're, we went, uh, tried to catch some catfish. And lo and behold, that Dodge Omni breaks down on me. And I thought, oh, great. This is just wonderful. I have it towed into a mechanic. We had this guy that did work for us that was kind of one of these backyard mechanics. He had a small little shop in his garage and he did great work and he was really cheap but because of that he was always really busy well i had it towed to his shop and uh, it took him a couple weeks to get to it and finally after pestering him i finally got a call from him and he said randy i got your car fixed but he said i don't know if you want it and i kind of scratched my head i'm like well how did he know i didn't want it but 
I thought, what is? what do you mean by that? And he said, there is a green fog coming out of this car. And I thought, I just chuckled. Well, that's funny. Well, you know, I thought he was joking. He said, no. He said, something, something's not right. And so I said, well, let me come get it. So I had somebody take me down there, and uh, I got within 10 feet of that car, maybe even further, and he had rolled the windows down. There was a putrid, corruptible odor emanating from that car. I thought, what in the world has happened? Did a possum crawl up in it and die? And so I, I began to try to investigate. I opened up the back hatch. Mystery solved. We had taken a small bucket of chicken livers for bait when we went fishing. This was in July or August. For two weeks, that bucket of chicken livers was in the back of that car sitting in the sun, and that thing had exploded. And oh my goodness, I tried everything. I sprayed this industrial orange citrus cleaner through the air conditioning system. I mean, I just drenched everything. And still, you could still just smell that faint, putrid, corruptible smell from those chicken livers. My goodness, that was a horrible, horrible experience. But I always think about that when I think about this corruptible seed. You know, I read in the Scripture, folks, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 12, it says that God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. You know, it's interesting. So many people think that the way things are is the way that it's always been. But you know what? God didn't create us as corruptible. God, I mean, when you look at all of the wickedness and corruption that is in our world today, it didn't come from God. It came from us. God looked down in Noah's day and he saw that men had corrupted their way. It was decisions that they had made. You know, people say today that I was born this way or God made me this way. But the bottom line is what we see happening in today's culture is no different than it was in the days of Noah. Mankind is further corrupting. We've got an, a very corruptible seed within us. We are naturally going to uh, to tend toward decay and putrefaction. But we've got people... Uh, just like my crawl space. I mean, it is a great environment for corruption. We've got a culture today that is getting more and more just a perfect environment for corruptible things to grow. And you know, uh, I read in Psalm 14 and verse number 1, it says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. It doesn't say that the fool says, with his lips, there is no God. It's not saying that someone who says, I'm an atheist, is not a fool. But there are many people who don't say it with their lips, but they say it with their heart, that there is no God. The way that they live, not living with this idea that one of these days, I'm going to be accountable to my Creator. That's the person that is the fool that's saying in his heart, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because I'm not going to be accountable to anyone. It says they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. I know a thing or two about the agnostic and the atheist. 
In many cases, it's not that they don't down deep believe in God. It's that they don't want to believe in God because it's inconvenient to their lifestyle. If I believe in God, then I'm going to have to change the things that I do. I'm going to have to change my behavior. And they don't want to. They enjoy and they want their abominable, corrupt works. And so the only way to deal with a guilty conscience is to try to pretend that God doesn't exist. Listen, I can I can pretend that this wall in this building doesn't exist. I mean, I can pretend and I can visualize and I can tell everybody in the world that there is no wall. And then I can go try to j- just walk through it and I'm going to find out that no matter what I say and no matter what I say I believe and how I pretend and visualize, I'm going to run into that wall and I'm probably going to get hurt. Why? Because the wall exists. God exists, folks, and He is very real. He is not visible, but just because He's not visible doesn't mean that He isn't very, very real. You can pretend all that you want, but if you'd be honest with yourself, you'd probably have to admit that your problem is not one of belief. Your problem is one of behavior. Uh, I don't want to change, and so, therefore, I'm just going to try to ignore the fact that there is a God. You know, back to my Dodge Omni story, uh, everyone uh, probably has, at one time or another, has owned a vehicle that turned in uh, out to be a lemon. Uh, I, I've had more than just a Dodge Omni, and, you know, if you've got anything that's mechanical, you're going to have it break down or need maintenance from time to time. But every now and then you'll get a vehicle, and it doesn't matter what your favorite brand is. Uh, I mean, doesn't matter whether it's foreign or domestic or what the brand is. Uh, everyone from time to time gets a lemon. Back in the 80s when we lived in Asheville, there was somebody in town that had bought a car from a local dealership, and evidently that dealership didn't want to fix their problems. They went to the expense. I mean, it had to have cost them thousands of dollars to go and get this car painted lemon yellow, and they had graphics put all... This was before the wraparound graphics that we have today. They had graphics put on the side of this car saying where they bought the dealership they bought it from, and they said, this car is a lemon... And they drove it around town for for years. You would see that car advertising the fact that they got a lemon. I think they were a little bitter at the dealership for not taking care of them. They wanted to get even. But you know what? We all get a lemon from time to time. You know, when I think about God who created us, uh, we have to admit that uh, if we were like cars, uh, every single one of us are lemons. I mean, on our best day, our best day, we're no better than a Dodge Omni. You know, my Dodge Omni, when I bought it, it was used. And um, I didn't realize how bad a shape that it was in. I bought it from a Baptist deacon, by the way. And, uh, boy, he ripped me off big time. But at one point, that car came brand new, fresh, off of an assembly line somewhere, I'm assuming, in Michigan. And that car was brand new. But, you know, even on its best day, it was still just a Dodge Omni. Uh, in the neighborhood that I live in, there's uh, about two or three different retired guys that 
uh, every time, uh, sometimes you'll drive by and you'll look over and they'll have their shop open. And I mean, they've got these, you know, thousands of dollar lifts that they purchase and they're always working on restoring some really sweet classic car. And I'm always rubbernecking when I drive by trying to see what kind of car that they're working on. Sometimes out in their driveway, you will see cars that, oh my goodness, I would love to have one of those cars, a, a 55 Chevy or, you know, just you see some really beautifully restored cars. But, you know, I've never seen a restored Dodge Omni. <laughs> you know, you know why? Because they're Dodge Omnis. No, nobody puts a bunch of money into a Dodge Omni. You can sink 50 grand into a Dodge Omni. And you know what it would be worth? Probably maybe $500. Why? Because it's a Dodge Omni. And you know what? It is just like us today that no matter what we put into our lives, you can be a good person, you can be religious, you can be baptized, you can go to mass or communion or you name it, and all you're doing is sinking a bunch of money into a Dodge Omni. And you know why? Because we are corruptible seed we come into this world as that corruptible seed natural corruption if you will that brings me to the second point and that is supernatural redemption i want to talk about the incorruptible seed in verse number 23 in our opening text those first words say say once again being born again you see, God doesn't just take our life and um, and uh, wax us and clean us and shine up our rims and and our chrome. God takes and revolutionizes our life, and He turns us into something that is redeemed and has been born again, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. You know, just a few verses earlier in our opening text, I'd like to read this to you. It says in First Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, What's Peter saying? He's saying you're not redeemed by your good works, by your tradition, by your heritage, or by your religion. These are all corruptible things. These are not things that can redeem you. But what can? He says quite clearly in verse number 18, or excuse me, verse number 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How are we redeemed? Where does this incorruptible seed come from? It comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross. He didn't die as a martyr. He died as a substitutionary sacrifice for you and I. We were corruptible. We were corrupted. We needed to be redeemed by something that is supernaturally powerful. God doesn't just restore us, but He turns us into something that is incorruptible. Now let's take a moment here and let's 
focus on this seed, this incorruptible seed. Many people are good or religious, but there's a seed that brings forth life. I've always been amazed at little seeds that you can place in your hand. And I mean, you can listen to them, you can smell them, you can try to see that there's got to be something inside the shell of that seed that's alive, but it's not. It's it's an inanimate object. But when you place it in certain conditions in the soil and you give it the water and give it the nutrients that it needs, that thing will just supernaturally, it will spring into life. Uh, during this uh, coronavirus quarantine, I've had time here lately to do some things around the house, get some back burner projects done. And a lot of the things that I haven't had time to do, I've been getting it done. But one thing that uh, that uh, my ladies, my wife and my daughter, they had been kind of pestering me that they wanted a garden. Now, I'd been resisting because I know how it goes. I've had experience in this area. Ladies get all these bright ideas and men have to execute those ideas, and then guess who's responsible? Guess who gets an added responsibility to their already long to-do list? <laughs> the man does. And so I had learned from experience, it's like, no, I am not going to put in a garden because I know what's going to happen. It's going to get overgrown with weeds, and I'm going to be the one have to go out and pull weeds. And I hate pulling weeds. You know, I grew, I mentioned uh, last week that I, I, I think it was last week that I grew up with a mom and three sisters. And, and so they would do that. The mom and the, they'd want to plant these flowers. And guess who was always out pulling the weeds? Yours truly. And I'm sure that some of my sisters might be listening to this, uh, there in Idaho. And I, I, I love you anyways, but I'm slightly bitter over all of that. <laughs> Just joking. But I knew it was going to happen, so I resisted this idea. No, I'm not putting in a garden. And so, you know, I was reminded, I was reminded that, you know, my daughter, she doesn't ask for much, and she's just so good-natured. And so she wanted this garden, and I thought, okay, I don't want a garden. I don't care about gardens, but I love my wife, and I love my daughter. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I bought this um, pressure-treated lumber. I made this raised bed. I, I did all the digging, and I put. I said, okay, I'll put it in, but you're going to have to take care of it. And so we bought garden, uh, good garden topsoil. They had it hauled in, and, I mean, most of it, and it helped a little bit with it, but most of it I shoveled in the wheelbarrow, and I took back, and I dumped it in and filled this bed uh, I put in a, a, a some rain barrels to catch the rain off the, the gutters and uh, put an underground like watering system. I mean, I put a really, did some really nice stuff. And the other day, I'm doing some things. I'm, I'm trying to put some mulch over the top to hold the moisture in and to protect this uh, soil from getting too hot in the sunlight. And I'm doing stuff that's actually beneficial toward growing uh, vegetables. And guess what Anna's doing? She's clean, she's scrubbing these rocks that she's gonna paint so that she can decorate her garden. And I thought, hey, I'm doing the work here, you're painting rocks. And you know what? I, I don't care, you can get Leonardo da Vinci to paint those rocks and you can set them in your garden, but it ain't gonna help the garden grow. And you know what? In reality, that is the same way that people look at religion. I mean, religion is like painting rocks. 
You can make yourself look good, but it's never going to be enough. God wants to give you a brand new birth from an incorruptible seed, not just a cone of paint, not just decorate you on the outside, but He wants to revolutionize your life. How do we get born again? John 3, verse number 5, Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Jesus says that this is a spiritual birth that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And then, of course, we read already in verse 23 of 1 Peter 1 that that incorruptible seed is from the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that does the saving. Now, I wanted to throw this in because I think it's important that we understand it. It's a little bit of a side note, but do you know that the incorruptible seed also has to do with our rescued soul? When we get born again, something happens on the inside. You know, we don't change outwardly. Now, our behavior may eventually change something outwardly in our life, but the moment that we get born again, it is what happens on the inside that matters most. And it says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 9, it says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, if you don't know the whole counsel of God and you just read that right there, you're going to scratch your head and go, whoa, wait a minute. Who's, who, whoever's born of God doesn't commit sin. And, and you're probably going to think about some sin that you committed recently. And, and the devil will come along and say, see there, you're not saved. But notice what the, the, the second part of this verse says. It says, For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. You see, it's so vital in our relationship with God that we have the understanding that when we're born again, the inner man, there's a new man on the inside that is completely sinless. I mean, we get the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here that we cannot sin because that seed remaineth in us. I thank God for that truth, because if my salvation was dependent upon my sin life, listen, there would certainly be times in my life when I'd have to say, hey, I must have I must have gotten unborn again instead of born again. And so thank God that we have an inner man that cannot sin. It is made righteous. It is made holy because of the work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And that brings us to our conclusion. How can I be born again? I think it's a great question. There are many, many people that if you talk to and um, talk about being born again, I can remember, I've seen it in the movies, Hollywood characters talking about being born again, but they're not talking about the same born again that we're talking about here today. They're talking about turning over a new leaf or being able to take and erase the past and start afresh. Well, yeah, that is what being born again is. The Bible says when we're born again that all things are become new. 
But it is more than that. It is a salvation from sin. It is a salvation from self. And it is God giving us a home in heaven. How do we, if Jesus said, ye must be born again, then I think it's vital that we understand how we get born again. We've already seen that it's by the blood of Jesus, but how can I get the blood of Jesus applied to me personally, and how can I be born again? Listen to what John 1 and verse number 12 says. It says, But as many as received him, as many, whosoever will. Listen, if you're listening here this morning, whenever you're listening, you can be as many that received him. To them... Who's the them? That's the ones that have received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see that, folks? You're not going to roll out of bed some morning and just decide, hey, I I think I'll be born again. It's not just some little flippant mental decision. You know, Jesus in that same passage we read just a moment ago, John chapter number 3, He said that the, the, the wind bloweth where it listeth, such as every one that is born of the Spirit. You know, God will work on your heart. The gospel, the Word of God is preached to you, and at some point in your life, you have to make the decision We read there, but as many as received him, to them gave he power. Even them that believe, this believing and receiving is the way that a man is born again. When I think about that term receiving, I'm reminded of a story that I read recently about a Baptist preacher fresh out of seminary. I mean, this young man, he graduated from seminary and he takes a little church in Kentucky and uh, his first Sunday, he's, he's he, I mean, he preaches a rip-roaring sermon against gambling. And, and afterward, uh, some of the leaders in the church, they all come and talk to him. They say, hey, uh, pastor, we've got, this is Kentucky. We've got people who uh, have racehorses that they breed. And uh, you can't preach against gambling. And he thought, really? And he was a little bit kind of perplexed by that, but. The next week, he thought, okay, well, I won't preach against gambling this week. And so he preached a rip-roaring sermon against the sin of tobacco. Well, once again, after the service, he has a bunch of, he has some deacons and some people in the church say, hey, pastor, uh, you're in Kentucky, and uh, we've got a lot of tobacco farmers in our church, and they're faithful people, and they've been part of this church for generations. You can't preach against tobacco. So he's even further perplexed. So the next Sunday, he doesn't preach against gambling. He doesn't preach against tobacco. He thought, surely this one will be a winner. And so he preached against liquor. And I mean, he he preached a biblical rip-roaring. I mean, he let it go and let him let the sin of liquor uh, have it. And afterward, guess what? He gets confronted by a bunch of people. They said, Pastor, listen, you're in Kentucky. Uh, we've got people who grow corn and have whiskey distilleries. Uh, you can't preach against whiskey. And so he didn't know what to do. And so finally he just got frustrated. He said, well, what can I preach against? And about that, uh, an elderly, uh, well-to-do woman who was... Um, 
in that little meeting, she raised up, she said, preach against those horrible, filthy Chinese communists. And he thought, there isn't a Chinese communist that lives within 500 miles of here. And they're like, exactly, preacher. And you know what that illustrates? That illustrates that these were a group of people, professing Christians, that they didn't want to receive the truth of the Word of God because it went, I mean, it went counter against their lifestyle. They only wanted convenient truth that applied to other people. And, you know, it comes right down to the fact that if you and I are to be born again, we're going to have to receive not just the convenient truth, but we're going to have to receive the the things that are absolutely true. And, you know, I'll tell you what's absolutely true. According to this book right here, the Word of God, the source of our new birth, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I mean, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift, it's a gift that has to be received. When somebody gives you a gift, you open it up, whether you like it or not, you don't turn around and offer them money to pay for it. They didn't, they're not trying to sell you something. They wanted to give you something. And in the same way, Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. He is the gift of God to the entire human race, and He's the one that took care of our sin problem. What we have to do is we have to receive and we have to believe. And it is simply by faith. It's not a convenient truth, but it is an absolute truth. There is a corruptible birth. Every single one of us have a corruptible birth, but there's also an incorruptible birth, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. If you'll just simply believe the gospel, believe the word of God and take it by faith and receive it, you too can be born again of this incorruptible seed. I thank God that I don't have to worry about my soul becoming corrupt by my flesh. I thank God that this world that we live in, I can have a, a gospel, I can have a faith that rises above the corruption of the culture that we live in. You too can be born again if you'll only repent and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Father, bless our listeners. We pray that someone might be born again because they've heard this message today. We pray that someone would be born again because they need to be born again. Help us all to realize that uh, we need absolute truth, not just convenient truth. I pray that you'd bless our audience, bless our church. In Jesus' name, amen.